Chapter Twenty of the Wheat Princess by Jean Webster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The ball ended, the guests gone, Villa Vivalanti forgot its one burst of gaiety and settled down again to its usual state of peaceful somnolence. The days were growing warmer. White walls simmering in the sunshine, fragrant garden borders resonant with the hum of insects, the cool green of the ilex grove, the sleepy, slow drip of the fountain. It was all so beautifully Italian and so very very lonely during the hot middays marcia would sit by the ruins of the old villa or pace the shady ilex walks with her feelings in a tumult she had seen neither paul Desart nor laurence sybert since the evening of her birthday and that moment by the fountain when the three had faced each other silently was not a pleasant memory it was one however which recurred many times a day of sybert marcia heard no news whatsoever in reply to her casual question as to when he would be at the villa again, her uncle had remarked that just at present Sybert had more important things to think of than taking a villeggiatura in the Sabine Hills. But of Paul Dessart and the Roystons, most unexpected news had come. Paul's father had had an attack brought on by overwork, and they were all of them going home. The letters were written on the train en route for Cherbourg, a long letter from Margaret, a short one from Eleanor the latter afforded some food for reflection but the reflection did not bring enlightenment dear marcia it ran i am sorry not to see you again and to be quite frank i am equally sorry not to have seen mr sybert again i feel that if i had had more time and half a chance i might have accomplished something in the interests of science margaret told you of course that paul is going back with us we hope his father's illness isn't serious but he preferred to go there is nothing to keep him in rome he says poor fellow you must write him a nice letter don't worry too much about him though he won't blow his brains out i could tell you something i have just the tiniest suggestion of a suspicion which granted fair winds and a prosperous voyage may arrive at the dignity of news by the time we reach the other side however you don't deserve to hear it and i shan't tell have i aroused your curiosity sufficiently if so c'est tout i shall hope to see you in pittsburgh this autumn that my dear marcia is merely a polite phrase and is not strictly true i shall hope rather to see you in paris or rome or vienna i am afraid i have the wander habit to the end the world is too big for one to settle down permanently in one place and that place pittsburgh is it not so one can never be happy for thinking of all the things that are happening in all of the places where one is not au revoir then till autumn we'll play on the champs elysees together eleanor a letter had come also from marcia's father which put her in an uncomfortably unsettled frame of mind it was written in the copley vein of humorous appreciation of the situation but for all that she could see underneath that she had hurt him he disavowed all knowledge and culpability in the triple alliance and the abyssinian war he regretted the fact that the taxes were heavy but he had had no hand in making up italy's financial budget as to wheat there were many reasons why italy could not afford it aside from the fact that it was dear marcia could give what she wished to the peasants to make up for her erring father and he enclosed a blank check to her order surely an excessive sign of penitence on the part of a business man the letter closed with the statement that he was lonely without her and that she must come back to america next winter and keep her old father out of mischief she read the last few sentences over twice with a rising lump in her throat it was true poor man he must be lonely she ought to have tried to take her mother's place and to have made a home for him before now 
her duties suddenly presented itself very clearly and it appeared as uninviting as duties usually do a few months before she would not have minded but now italy had got its hold upon her she did not wish to go she wished only to sit in the sunshine happy unthinking and let the days slip idly by a picture flashed over her of what the american life would be a brownstone house on fifth avenue in the winter a country place in the berkshires in the summer an aunt of her mother's for chaperone her father's friends lawyers and bankers and brokers who talked railroads and the stock exchange for interests she would have balls and receptions literary clubs and charities marcia breathed a doleful sigh her memories of the new york house were dreary it was not a life she cared to renew but nothing of all this did she let her father know she sent a gracefully forgiving letter with the promise that she would come home for the winter and not a hint that the homecoming was not her own desire it seemed that things having once commenced to change everything was going mr copley himself exploded the next bombshell he came back from rome one night with the announcement that the weather was getting pretty hot and the family ought to leave next week for switzerland oh uncle howard not yet marcia cried let us wait until the end of june it isn't too hot till then up here in the hills it's pleasant all summer i don't want to leave the villa rome is hot just now in more ways than one he returned i'd feel safer to have you in switzerland or up in the tyrol during the excitement goodness only knows what's going to happen next i'm expecting to wake up in the middle of a french revolution every morning and i should like to have you out of the country before the beheading begins there isn't really any danger of a revolution she asked breathlessly not in a country where every other man's a soldier and the government's in command but there have been houses broken into and a good many acts of lawlessness and we're rather lonely off here i hate to think of going away marcia sighed we'll come back in the autumn won't we uncle howard oh yes if you like i dare say we could manage a month or so out here before we go into the palazzo for the winter and i'll be going back to america for the winter she sighed he looked at her with a slight smile are you the girl marcia who used to preach sermons to your uncle about americans living abroad marcia reflected his smile somewhat wanly and i'm practising my own preaching am i not oh well he said when the time comes you can do as you please your father can get along without you one year more no i think i ought to go for of course he must be lonely but i should like to stay it seems more like home than any place i've ever been in i've really never belonged anywhere before and i like so much to be with you poor little girl you have had a checkered career yes uncle howard i have and it keeps on being checkered i haven't been in the villa three months but really i don't remember ever having lived so long in one place before it's been nice hasn't it i hate dreadfully to have it end it seems like shutting away a whole part of my life that can never come back oh well if you feel that way about it i'll buy the villa and we can come out every spring you can bring your father over and we will dip him in the waters of lethe too i'm afraid he wouldn't be dipped she laughed he'd be running a cable connection out here and setting up a ticker on the terrace so that he could watch the stock market as well as the view mr copley's mouth twitched slightly at the picture we must all ride our hobbies i suppose or the world would be a very dreary world indeed she looked up at him and hesitated uncle howard do you and papa that is do you mind my asking are you very good friends mr copley frowned a moment without replying 
well marcia he's a good deal older than i and we're not particularly congenial he straightened his shoulders with a laugh oh well there's no use concealing disagreeable truths it appears they will out in the end as a matter of fact your father and i haven't had anything to do with each other for the past ten years the first move was on his part when he wrote about you last fall you didn't know that you came as an olive branch did you i didn't know he didn't tell me anything about it but i-well i sort of guessed i'm sorry about it uncle howard i'm sure that is just because you don't understand each other i'm afraid we never have understood each other and i doubt if we ever can but we'll make another effort it's so hard to like people when you don't understand them and so easy when you do said marcia it facilitates matters he agreed i think i'm beginning to understand mr sybert she added somewhat vaguely he's different when you understand him from the way you thought he was when you didn't understand him ah sybert mr copley raised his head and brought his eyes back from the edge of the landscape i thought i knew him but he's been a revelation to me this spring how do you mean marcia asked striving to keep out of her tone the interest that was behind it oh the way he's taken hold of things it seems an absurd thing to say but i believe he's had almost as much influence as the police in quieting the trouble he has an unbelievably strong hold on the people how he got it i don't know he understands them as well as an italian and yet he is a foreigner which gives him in some ways a great advantage they trust him because they think that being a foreigner he has nothing to make out of it he's a marvellous fellow when it comes to action you never would guess it to look at him she returned why does he pretend to be so bored be so bored well i suppose there are some things that do bore him and the ones that don't bore other people his opinions are not universally popular in rome and being a diplomatist i dare say he thinks it as well to keep them to himself what are his opinions she asked tentatively i don't like to accuse him of being an anarchist since he assures me that he is not but when a man wants to overthrow the government nonsense sybert doesn't want to overthrow the government any more than i do just at present it's under the control of a few corrupt politicians but that's a thing that's likely to happen in any country and it's only a temporary evil the italians will be on their feet again in a year or so all the better for their shaking up and sybert knows it he's got more real faith in a government than most of the italians i know but he talks against it terribly well he sees the evil he's been looking at it pretty closely and he knows it's there and when sybert feels a thing he feels it strongly but copley smiled while he says things himself against the country you'll find he'll not let anyone else say them what do people think about him now being mixed up in all these riots oh just now he's mixed up on the right side and the officials are very willing to pat him on the back but as for the populace i'm afraid he's not making himself overliked they have a most immoral tendency to sympathize with the side that's against the law and they can't understand their friends not sympathizing with the same side it's a pretty hard thing for him to have to tell these poor fellows to be quiet and go back to their work and starve in silence copley sighed and folded his arms i am sorry marcia you don't like sybert better there are not many like him marcia let the observation pass without comment the next morning as mrs copley and marcia were sitting on the loggia listlessly engaged with books and embroidery there came whirring down the avenue the contessa's immaculate little victoria with the yellow coronet emblazoned on the sides 
with the coachman and footman in the torinieri livery green with yellow pipings it was a gay little affair it matched the contessa she stepped out pretty and debonair in a fluttering pale green summer gown and ran forward to the loggia with a little exclamation of distress cara signora signorina i am desolated we must part is it not sad i go with bartolomeo bartolomeo was the count to plant olive orchards on his estate in the abruzzi is it not lonely that to spend the summer in an empty castle on the top of a mountain with only a view for company and my friends at the baths or the lakes or in switzerland or oh everywhere except on my mountain top marcia laughed at the contessa's despair but why do you go contessa if you do not like it she inquired but my husband likes it he has a passion for farming after roulette it is his chief amusement he is very pastoral bartolomeo he adores the mountain and the view and the olive orchards and in italy signorina the wife has to do as the husband wishes i'm afraid the wives had to do that the world over contessa ah no signorina you cannot tell me that i have seen in america the husband does as the wife wishes it is a beautiful country truly you have many charming customs yes i will give you good advice you will be wise to marry an american they do not like mountain tops but perhaps you will visit me on my mountain top she asked the view ah the beautiful view it is not so bad i'm afraid not contessa we are leaving for the tyrol ourselves a week from to-morrow so soon every one is going truly the world comes to an end next week in rome marcia found herself growing unexpectedly cordial toward their guest even the contessa appeared suddenly dear as she was about to be snatched away she bade her an almost affectionate farewell and stood by the balustrade waving her handkerchief until the carriage disappeared will marvels never cease she asked her aunt i think i really think that i like the contessa End of chapter twenty read by celine major